Today's Bible reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 22 to chapter 16, verse 15. And then we're going to read chapter 17, verses 1 to 13. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Tur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When it came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there are twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Zin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you the meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Now we are going to read chapter 17, verses 1 to um, 13. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Zin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? 
But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand a staff with which you strike Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Maria. Um, we're going to we're starting restarting this series uh, through Exodus, and it'll be we'll go today uh, from Exodus 15 all the way to 17, and I'll refer to verses um, that uh, we didn't read. So if you have if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the back. Uh, do pick one up. If you have a smartphone, please do take it out, um, and let's uh, go through it together. And also, just want you to know the outline uh, that's uh, on the final page of the bulletin. It's been slightly changed. Uh, this, uh, the changed um, outline is on your app, so uh, it, it's there already, so you can f- refer to it there. But anyway, why don't I pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for these events, that these events are historical events that happened, but these are recorded for us, for our sake, that we may come to know your grace, and we may come to know what's in our hearts, that we might come to know um, how, um, how you, you act um, towards your people. And Lord, we pray that as we come to this text, that your word will change all of us, that we might be a people of, not of grumbling, um, but people of thanksgiving and praise, people who live wholly uh, for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've referred to this experience quite a bit, but I sold books door to door um, for two summers, and these two summers were some of the hardest summers of my life. I worked 80-hour weeks, uh, and they weren't, this wasn't an indoor job, right? So this means that for 80 hours a week, I was out there knocking on doors, going through the heat of Georgia and Oklahoma, facing rejections and sometimes actually threats. I had one guy who pulled a gun on me in Oklahoma. And my character was tested because it was a really difficult time. Uh, the people that I was around uh, with, uh, the, just the hardship of being out there. Mostly I found out that, uh, that I was greedier than I thought I was, more dishonest than I had hoped, and more generally more worldly. I basically found out that I didn't have the purity of heart uh, to be a salesman, which is why God allowed me to be a pastor. 
conditions of our hearts are revealed when we're tested, when we go through tough circumstance. And Israelites here were tested. And what they, what they find is not pretty. Last time we were in Exodus, if you just scan across, in Exodus chapter 15, we heard the song of Miriam and the praise that flowed through. Right? Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? It was a triumph, victory like no other. God parted the Red Sea they, so they could cross it. The slaves defeated a trained army without lifting a finger. God led the Israelites out of Egypt with the pillar of clouds um, and fire. But when they got to the desert, the life wasn't pretty. Verse 22, the beginning of our reading, tells us that they traveled for three days, three days without finding water. The water that they carried with them were running out. When they finally came to a watering hole, hole Mara, there was, the water was bitter and it wasn't drinkable. And you might wonder why God did this. Why didn't God lead the Israelites out of Egypt straight to the promised land? Well, we get the hint of the reason at the end of verse 25. There, the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to a test. Yahweh God led them to the test. This is what Moses says later on Deuteronomy chapter 8 as he recalls the whole experience at the end of his life. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He led them to the wilderness because he wanted to test them. He wanted to reveal to them what was in their hearts so that they could know what was in their hearts. God led them to the bitter water so that they would see what they would do, to the land without food so they could see what's in their hearts, to the menacing enemy so they could see who they would turn to in the time of trouble. I wonder if you know that, that God tests us because he loves us. The rest of this passage in Deuteronomy goes like this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. God disciplines us. God tests us. As a father would discipline his own son out of love so that we might come to know what's in our hearts, so that we might turn from our idols and turn to, the, uh, turn to know the grace of God, that we might come to know him. And if we go back to our reading, that's what he says in chapter 16, verse 12. He says there, then, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh your God. God patiently tests them because he wanted them to know. He wanted them to know that he is their God. And you assumed that the Israelites would know by this time, wouldn't you? It was only three days after the Exodus when we see, quick, we see quickly that that wasn't the case. Look at their reaction to the first hardship when they come to Marah in chapter fifteen twenty four. They grumbled against Moses. And they do it again in chapter 16 when they grow hungry. 
They complain and they wildly exaggerate the comfort of their previous life. If you look down to verse 3, they say, if we, if we only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted, but you brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They say that they would rather have died by Yahweh's hand. It wasn't, uh, they sound like they ruled over Egypt too, right? Sitting around eating meat all day. It wasn't that long ago that when they groaned in their slavery and, they got, and God heard their misery and responded to their groaning. And Moses gets to the heart of their problem in verse 8. He says, they were grumbling against the Lord. They don't trust this Yahweh God who had delivered them out of Egypt, they grumbled because they don't trust God. And they show their distrust further by disobeying him. God made manna in response. Um, Bread from heaven rained down. And he gives them this order to gather enough for the day and no more. Chapter 16, verse 9. And this goes against their instinct, right? Why not save for tomorrow? The command seems illogical, but that's actually precisely the reason why they should obey. Because obeying shows that they, that they trust God, that the God will provide for them. But look what happens in verse 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until the morning. And it was full of maggots and began to smell. They failed the test. Their hearts were revealed I wonder when the last time you were tested, that your hearts were tested. Israelites didn't have water, food, and they faced people who wanted to kill them. They were tested constantly for 40 years. I think one of our biggest problems is that our hearts don't get tested in this way. We live in a time of unprecedented wealth, right? Jesus tells us not to worry about tomorrow. But actually, that worry about tomorrow is a hypothetical problem for many of us because we've taken out insurance against tomorrow. We've saved up enough money for tomorrow. And because of that, we don't know what's in our hearts because we're not tested. And that's not a bad thing, right, that God provides for us. But we need to examine our hearts. We need to know, delve in, and see what's in our hearts. And one way to examine it is to see whether you grumble. How much do you grumble? We think complaining about our jobs, colleagues, bosses, children, situations is a small thing. Moses would say, don't you know that you're grumbling against the Lord? When God has provided you with daily bread, God has rescued you and made you his people, your grumbling is against him. It shows your mistrust, distrust of Yahweh God. And flip side of that is how thankful are you? Are you thankful for what you have? It's a small thing, but do you give thanks before you eat? It's a small thing. Uh, It's a a small thing, but an important thing precisely because it's a small thing. Right? It shows that we recognize that every little thing, even this meal, that somebody has prepared. Even every little thing that we have in our lives actually come from God. Do you give thanks? Is your life marked by thankfulness? And there are times, even in our middle-class life, for many of us, 
we will be tested. You know about Mary and uh, myself. We're, uh, I'm happy to say we're now pregnant. <laughs> Mary's 17 weeks pregnant. We praise God for that. Thank you. But as you know, Mary and our hearts were tested because three miscarriages. We had to really examine ourselves, and we had to go, what's in our hearts? Do we trust God, that God is good? You know about Reese and Keturah, of course, with the baby Micah. Alan, Alan's here. When Andis passed away, Alan, Christopher, David's heart, they were tested. Do they trust in the goodness of God? That God had rescued them, that God is with them. Yeah, it's a dangerous prayer, but when we ask God's will to be done in our lives, God doesn't just zap us with the power of the Holy Spirit and makes everything better. That's not how God works. He'll put you through tests. He'll send you failures. He'll put you in impossible situations. And all these situations will either make you or break you, but through it all, because you are God's child, you will come to realize that it is God who provides. It is God who is in control. It is God that we need to look to every day. You will know that I am your God. So each day, God rained down manna bread from heaven for the grumbling Israelites. But on the sixth day, according to chapter 16, verse 23, they were supposed to collect twice as much and rest on the next day. And miraculously, on those days, right, the manna was preserved. Um, It did not stink or get maggots. God miraculously preserved that food. But this time, uh, but this became, for the Israelites, another opportunity to fail. Some, according to verse 27, went out against God's instructions, even on the Sabbath day. And you can sense God's frustration in verse 28. He says, how long will you refuse to keep my commands, commands and instructions? You see, they were commanded to rest, but they couldn't because they didn't trust God. They didn't trust that God would be the one to provide for them. And I know that many of you take the Sabbath seriously. I know people who ask for more work during the weekdays, uh, even on Saturdays, so that they could come and rest. They could worship God on Sundays, take this day and make it set apart. But for many in Hong Kong, the commands to keep the Sabbath is one of the first things that goes away when we get busy. Our church attendance goes down during exam weeks by students, during busy weeks at work. Of course, at times, breaking the Sabbath is necessary. There are busy periods in our lives. We live in this sinful and complicated world. But I wonder how many of us break the Sabbath because we're under the illusion, once again, that we are in control, that we are the ones who need to provide for ourselves, that we need to go out and get advantage for ourselves because we are in control. That's why they went out. The Israelites went out on the Sabbath day, didn't they? They couldn't trust God to provide daily bread. They wanted advantage over other people. They wanted to save some for themselves so they could control tomorrow. And look what Moses says in verse 29. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, that that is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Moses says Sabbath is a gift from God. 
the Lord has given you Sabbath. Jesus says the same. The Sabbath is made for man. He's given you rest. He will give you bread for two days. If you trust him, as you rest in him, he will provide for you. So we can rest, all of us. However busy you are, however important your jobs are, however uh, crazy your lives are, we can afford to, afford to rest because God gives that as a gift. God says, I will take care of you as you rest. Know that I am your God. He's the one who ultimately provides for us. And we can take a day out to remember how much we are loved, how we are saved, how we're not beasts of burden who need to produce to be somebody, but objects of his great love for us. Trusting God, learning to trust God means learning to rest. Learning to rest, it's saying that I don't have to do everything because God is in control over my life. God is in control over this world. God is in charge. Not my grades, not my peers, not my money, not my boss. And you see, it's a weekly test. He gives us this test as a weekly test. That God made it a mark of his people that, he, that we rest once a week. Week after week, God says, trust me. I am the one who provides manna. I am the one who has rescued, rescued you. I am the one who will preserve you. Do you trust God? How much do you rest? In the middle of chapter 17, we see a man who does trust in God. Take a look at chapter 17, verse 8. There the Israelites faced another existential crisis. Amalekites came to kill them at Rephidim. Look how Moses reacts in verse 9. He says, Choose some of the men and go out to fight Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. He quietly sends Joshua out, to, uh, uh, Joshua and the men out into the battle, and Moses confidently goes up to the hill. And that's what wins this victory, as you read, right? Because Moses goes up and he stretches out his hand to pray for the Israelites, right? What else could he be doing as his hands are stretched out and as he's seeing the battle that's happening beneath him? You heard the story. As long as his hands were up, the Israelites advanced. When his hands came down, when, uh, 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 they, they started to be defeated, so uh, when Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Hur came to lift up his arms for him. And that's how the victory is won. God is making it clear to them. It's not the might of their arms. It's not their own strength that's, that, that's the key to this victory. It is God who gives victory. By their prayer and dependence on him, he will give victory. Sure, they fought. Right? They went out and fought. And verse 13 concludes that Joshua overcame Amalekites with the sword. You know, praying doesn't mean that we quit working. Praying doesn't mean that we just pray and don't do anything. We go out and fight the battle each day. But in our work, in the things that we are doing, we need to be reminded that God is the one who accomplishes anything in our work. God is the one ultimately in charge of our work in our life. And if we believe that, we need to pray. 
We need to depend on him. That's what it means to pray, right? Learning to depend on him means learning to pray. How often do you pray? When do you pray? Thankfully, I I think many people do pray in times of crisis when they have important decisions uh, to make. But we should be praying in every and all situations, right? We should be praying as we get up from our bed. We should be praying on our way to uh, the work on the MTR. We should be praying as we sit down on our, uh, on our desk and about to get to work. We should be praying before meeting um, our clients and the people that we're going to uh, meet that day. As we fight this battle each day, we need to learn our dependence on God by prayer. Ultimately, it is God who determines the course of our life. Making it a habit to pray is making it a habit to depend on God. About 20 people came to our last prayer gathering. Why not make it 40 this week, uh, this, uh, this, 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 uh, uh, this month? You all are here on Sunday, which means that you think that what happens on Sundays is important. What happens there in Kingdom Kids, Revelation Warriors, uh, Solid Rock, all that we do in church, you think that it's important. That's why you're here. If you think it's important, we need to pray. We need to pray that God will be the one in charge over all things that we do. That's, that's what depending on God looks like, people raising their hands up in prayer. But even as I preach this, I know that I fail in doing this, in trusting God, in resting, even praying. And I see, that's why I find beginning of chapter 17 such a comfort. So take a look there. As they did back in chapter 15, right, beginning of our reading, in beginning of chapter 17, they faced the same trial. They come to a place where they do not find water. And you think that this time they know better. God had given them water before. God had brought quail down. God had brought manna down from heaven. And you think that they might have learned something by this time. No, yet again, they grumble against God. Take a look at verse 7. Moses called the place Massa, quarreling, at Meribah, testing, Because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Not only did they grumble, they doubted the very presence of God with them. This episode is such an act of faithlessness that it's remembered throughout the Old Testament. It's there in Numbers 20, 24, 27, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Psalm uh, 95. It was unbelievable that they would distrust God, doubt God's presence with them yet again. But you also know what God did in this miracle. Right? In this unbelievable moment, God made Moses take the staff and strike a rock, and from the rock gushed forth water. He quenched their thirst. And you know that that happened throughout this story. Throughout their stay in the desert, they would grumble again and again. This isn't the last time. They would rebel against God again and again. But you know how the story turns out. In fact, uh, it's there in chapter 16, verse 35. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years. 
until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. For 40 years, God fed these grumbling people. For 40 years, manna from heaven came down and fed them until they reached the promised land. And he does that for us. His people who have been rescued, traveling towards the promised land. That summer, when I was selling books, I failed big time. I complained. I lied. My heart was found to be wanting. I fail constantly now. And yet, for me and for you, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. God sent manna, our daily bread, the grace that we need. And as long as we turn to him, as long as we keep on looking to him, he will provide us that grace. This journey through the the desert land, through the wilderness, is a journey of learning God's grace. And you will know that again and again and again until we all reach the promised land. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for our bread of life, the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you that he tells us that he loves us, that we're forgiven again and again, that we are his people, that you are our God. Lord, as we see ourselves in this story, help us to see your grace and your greatness clearly. Help us to trust you with our life. Help us to rest in you. Help us to go to you in times of trouble and in times of plenty. Help us to be people who know your grace daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.